0: Today is April 6th, 2018, and this is Episode 3, Maslow's Missing Piece. Hello everybody and welcome back to Actualization Station, your place for all things relating to self-transcendence and self-actualization. I think we can all agree, life is full of suffering. It is harsh, it is brutal, and often unforgiving. If you find yourself feeling as though you're stuck on a treadmill, working your life away, preoccupied by personal conflicts and dragging responsibilities that constantly get in the way of forward motion, I feel you, and I'm on this journey with you. So if you long to find out what you're truly capable of, well, you've come to the right place. Here at Actualization Station, we will endeavor to realize the very limits of our potential, For the sake of all life that miraculously survives amidst the vast empty space of this wondrous universe, we work towards the discovery and embodiment of our highest reason for being. Together we work towards the ennoblement of the individual, for the betterment of our families and friends, for this living planet and all of its inhabitants. Hello everybody, I'm Chris, and today we'll be talking about the missing piece of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs a model that outlines the motivational stages that must be achieved for self-realization in human beings. And that missing piece that I mentioned was the highest stage Maslow discovered. Thus, the model we know from its most common depictions is missing a critical piece. If you're not already aware of Maslow's theory of motivation and would like a quick refresher, feel free to check out the previous episode titled, What One Can Be, They Must Be. In that episode, we considered the hierarchy of needs as it relates to self-actualization, but I saved the final piece of the puzzle for this episode. Here, we have a model that describes the stages of development we may rise through in our lives as we move towards the realization of our full potential. In the previous episode, we learned about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which describes how the securing of food, shelter, and companionship helps us to develop the means, skills, belonging and self-esteem necessary to actualize as individuals. And today we'll learn about Maslow's missing piece, which describes how human beings may even transcend the individual self to positively impact the wider world. So now we speak of that ultimate level of development, from which we may experience the deepest, most profound sense of meaning in our lives. That missing piece that has been missing from Maslow's model for decades, As far as I can tell, whether it be in academic textbooks or formal scientific papers, most authors only reference the first version of Maslow's model, with self-actualization depicted as the peak of human development. Thus, the hierarchy of needs, a widely referenced and highly regarded model for the motivation of human beings, is missing its most essential and final piece, self-transcendence which Maslow only added shortly before his death. For decades now, through every generation since Maslow passed, in our textbooks, in our academic literature, the true peak of the model for the motivation of human beings has been missing. Thankfully, Maslow did amend the model one year before he died, adding self-transcendence as a motivational step beyond self-actualization. And though it was eclipsed by the previous model which had already gained wide acceptance, it survives and remains the true and final version of his model. Waiting to add the final stage of self-transcendence may have been a conservative move on Maslow's part. It was included in his research and mentioned in his journals, yet he chose to leave it out. Perhaps he wanted to wait until he had a more effective way to substantiate it. Ultimately, this took him the rest of his life to accomplish. It was only after surviving a near-fatal heart attack in 1967 that Maslow experienced what he termed a peak experience, an enduring state which he described as a high plateau. He now had direct experience of a prolonged sense of self-transcendence, a state only attributed to the most advanced meditators and enlightened masters, something that had yet to be confirmed by science. Now with the experience directly available to him, he was able to finish his life's work. In 1969, after three decades of exhaustive scientific study and one year before his death, Maslow revealed the highest stage of human development, Self-Transcendence This missing piece of the puzzle may just be the most intriguing aspect of the model for what it portends for humanity as a whole. Self-Transcendence can be described as a sense of unified connection with all things, an experience of oneness with all aspects of the universe, as well as a sense of unification with something omnipresent. I think we've done ourselves a tremendous disservice by limiting the mention of this in academia, for I believe that the enlightenment of our fellow human beings is the key that unlocks our true potential as a species. Today, despite the decades of scientific research pertaining to self-transcendent states since Maslow's death, the most common depictions of the model are still missing that final step. On the other hand, Its mention in formal scientific literature can be a bridge that connects the great mystery of all the world religions with reputable scientific investigation as both seek to offer us insights relating to humanity's intrinsic motivations. Insights that when used forthrightly can help us to better understand ourselves and improve the world around us to neglect the sharing of something so integral, to brush over the potential of something so profound in human beings, is shocking to me. Granted, the omission in modern depictions of the model may simply be due to the fact that the first version of Maslow's model published in 1954 had already been so successful. This new version may have been eclipsed by the vast success of his previous which for 15 years had been a mainstay of numerous textbooks and to this day continues to be widely referenced in scientific literature. Though perhaps it's also possible that the addition of self-transcendence is taken as too controversial to mention, perhaps it's so world-changing that it has been left out of the textbook so as not to detract from the credibility of the model so far as it takes us, with self-actualization as its peak perhaps we are still afraid to include the complete model in textbooks because this could delegitimize Maslow's theory of human motivation. The very mention of self-transcendence seems to be touching upon the spiritual. And though many psychologists and neuroscientists continue to reference it today, the fact remains that the admittance of this ultimate peak of human experience takes us into a universe of the unknown. A mysterious realm that encompasses the challenging notion of human enlightenment this may be too inexplicable or ethereal a subject for most scientists to feel inspired to consider though thankfully some neuroscientists and neuropsychologists do at least attempt to along with the humanist and transpersonalist psychologists otherwise the vast potential of self-transcendence remains obscured and serious inquiry into it has been left to the philosophers and theists and primordial traditions such as that of the Buddhists. Of course, the fact of it does not require an omnipresent prime mover, which is the beauty of Maslow's hierarchy. Regardless of the reason for its occurrence, it is available to all. One need not be religious to grok its existence. And even the most atheistic materialist scientist, or the most determined nihilist, can experience it. Recent studies utilizing cutting-edge imaging technology have tracked intriguing changes in the brains of Buddhist masters while in the transcendent state. These and other studies confirm Maslow's theory, which outlines a way to total fulfillment for human beings, a way that is complementary to all paths of self-improvement, self-realization, and enlightenment. Maslow's model in its complete form outlines a motivational theory that could be as integral to the individual as it is to the planet as a whole. His comprehensive life study offers insights into the matter of self-transcendence that agrees with the logic of science, just as well as it complements insights related by our primordial traditions. It offers us a door to that something more that's been missing all our lives. Over three decades, by scrutinizing all the evidence he could obtain, Maslow studied highly self-actualized human beings and the peak states they claimed, by researching the experiences of everyone from athletes to musicians, and anyone in between who seemed to have had such experiences. Abraham Maslow was actually one of the first formal scientific researchers to track people who experienced advanced states of human experience, such as self-transcendence and flow. In studying their altered states of consciousness, he recognized states that seemed akin to the self-transcendence seen in advanced meditators and so-called enlightened beings. He came to call these self-transcendent experiences peak states, and was one of the first psychologists to formally study what we now know as the flow state. While the source of this experienced sense of unifying interconnectedness is up for debate, the experience of it is available to anyone. The final stage in human development, humanity's highest potential, self-transcendence, has been either ignored or overlooked by academia for half a century since Maslow's revelation. But he wasn't the only heavyweight that supported this theory. Another one of the most thoughtful men to ever grace the earth, Albert Einstein, had the same feeling regarding the potential for self-transcendence. He stated, The most beautiful emotion we can experience is the mystical. It is the power of all true art and science. He to whom this emotion is a stranger, who can no longer wonder and stand wrapped in awe, is as good as dead. To know that what is impenetrable to us really exists, manifesting itself as the highest wisdom and most radiant beauty, which our dull faculties can comprehend only in their most primitive forms. This knowledge, this feeling, is at the center of true religiousness. Einstein also said in speaking of some of his fellow scientists and members of academia that, in their grudge against traditional religion as the opium of the masses, they cannot hear the music of the spheres. Such views are still radical for many modern scientists, so perhaps it's not surprising that the stage of self-transcendence is missing in most depictions of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yet... This is something that the acclaimed psychologist spent the better part of his life resolving. It's time to raise the spirit of Maslow and embrace the merits of his addition of self-transcendence to the hierarchy of needs, this ultimate culmination of his life's work that he committed on behalf of all human beings. If it wasn't for Maslow's research into the power of peak experiences, who knows how much longer it would have taken for the scientific community. To embrace the study of peak states such as flow, or for the benefits of meditation to be taken seriously as well. In Zen Buddhism, there is a term, shoji, which translates as birth-death, and describes how the knowledge of death is a source of constant anxiety, death being unavoidable and the time of it indeterminable. Thus, the term Shoji also suggests that a total acceptance of the reality of death can allow us to live more full lives, and this seems accurate, for the smallest things take on the greatest significance from this renewed perspective, when the reality of how truly fleeting life is, is accepted in one's mind. Rather than it being a morbid or morose concept, it sets the world shimmering with unspeakable significance. As limitless beauty reveals itself in all things. For in the subconscious constant avoidance of our eventual death... ...we are constantly worrying about everything that could go wrong in life. But in the relinquishment of this worry... ...we find ourselves refreshed, renewed and revitalized... ...as though we've been reborn or transcended into a new life experience. When we order life out of the fear that if we don't it will fall apart... Rather than out of a love for each moment, we disrupt the balance between the chaos and order of our lives. But when we do find that balance, all things, whether it be a room, a sink full of dirty dishes, or a painting, becomes one's masterwork composition. Shoji, then, is something of an integral insight, like a key to life, for it reveals to us a truth that is intrinsic to life itself. It says that to truly live, one must cultivate a deep and abiding acceptance that this life will someday end, to honor its existence with all that we have to give. To not fully accept this finite reality, then, is to find ourselves stuffing down, hiding from, masking, covering over and drugging our anxieties for the avoidance of all the things that could go wrong in life, this life that is so precious, so dear to us. We just want to get it right. In the West, we relate this insight with sayings such as, live each moment as though it could be your last. For the awareness of our mortality reminds us of what matters the most in each moment of life. It helps us to live a life that justifies its suffering. We become able to experience a deeper appreciation for all we have. It allows us to cherish life more fully and with the deep gratitude for life that arises as a result of the acceptance of our finality, we may live more forthrightly and die with less regrets. God knows we need this, I wish I'd known this earlier in life, though perhaps It's never too late. For it was not until the last few years of Abraham Maslow's life that he suffered that near-fatal heart attack that brought him to death and back again, to be reborn once more, revivified by a massive revelation. His previous inability to fully articulate how human beings' motivation for self-realization occurred was now cleared. He had faced death, the shocking truth of his own mortality, and rather than be shaken by helplessness in the face of it, he found himself marveling at the intrinsic beauty revealed by it, that profoundest sense of this miraculous existence and the undeniable actuality of self-transcendence that had now dropped the gates between himself and everything around him. As a lifelong scientist, must have been quite overwhelmed by this experience. Why else would he dare risk all credibility by including the potential of self-transcendence in his already accepted, widely regarded model? In facing death and returning, he found himself in communion with all of existence, experiencing a sacredness in all things, The experience of individuals who exhibited these signs of self-transcendence that he had spent so much of his life attempting to unravel was now existent within himself. He was now able to confirm, able to set transcendence atop his model, fully confident that it was too integral to hold back anymore. It was after this near-fatal heart attack that Maslow wrote, The confrontation with death and the reprieve from it makes everything look so precious, so sacred, so beautiful that I feel more strongly than ever the impulse to love it, to embrace it, and to let myself be overwhelmed by it. My river has never looked so beautiful. Death and the ever-present possibility makes love, passionate love, more possible. Now in honor of this most life altering realization, let us revive the missing aspect of Maslow's model, that stage achieved through the realization of life's finality. Let us rise together towards the peak experience of self-transcendence. For this missing piece may be the key that realizes our highest vision. The most pristine experience a human can know. The highest peak of our potential does not seem to be something that one must be any particular religion to know. For it comes from our innate natural sense of wonder for the mystery of life itself. That great joyous wonder we had when we were young. That has only been clouded over by our anxiety As we've grown ever more aware of the promise of death The unpredictability of life Is the root of all discomfort. Relating to the unpredictability of death We hate to waste time We hate to screw up We hate to embarrass ourselves Our fear will not enough We hate because we're afraid Afraid we're not up to snuff Afraid of not being loved Afraid of all the things that could go wrong and we want to be safe. Because we're in pain. And our body's fear pain because our body's fear death. Our body's fear stress. Anything that could signify a threat. This is so deep within us. So facing death for real. Really knowing it's coming. And accepting. Allows us to calm that inner stress. Realizing there's no time to waste away in regrets. Only time to acknowledge our mistakes. To accept and own them. Everything that we feel we've done wrong or could have done better in life. Not to guilt trip ourselves. Not to beat ourselves up. Just to recognize a better way to move forward from here on. To heal. To be ever present with life as it unfolds. To share that innate sense of exuberant wonder that still bubbles out at times when we least expect it that accidental joy that comes out of nowhere to share that innate sense of wonder for when and where we are now that came to us with our effort when we were young to realize how infinitely available it still is here and now the glowing wonder of this limitless universe allows us the possibility of communion with this intensely beautiful world that we have risen out of like some inexplicable miracle so let us rise again through courageous, wholly open, and accepting self-reflection, let us rise again Through total appreciation for the finite nature of life. Let us realize the willingness to accept the suffering we all must inevitably endure, and rather than avoid it, we can love it for how it allows us a deeper appreciation for all of life's moments. Let us rise again. The basic tenet of Buddhism is that life is suffering, like the image of Christ, carrying his cross, bearing the whole world's suffering, through until his dying breath, through his love. In his book, The Farther Reaches of Human Nature, Maslow describes self-transcendent people as more holistic about the world than are the healthy or practical self-actualizers. He noted that self-transcendent people and their experiences are more apt to be profoundly religious or spiritual in either the theistic or non-theistic sense. Peak experiences and other transcendent experiences are in effect also to be seen as religious or spiritual experiences. Maslow also noticed a common trait of unconditional love in self-transcendent beings, describing how they exhibited a total wholehearted and unconflicted love. A total acceptance. In his research regarding self-transcendent individuals, Maslow studied people like Albert Einstein, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, and Helen Keller, who shared the trait of identification with something greater than the individual self. Transcendent individuals lived lives dedicated to the betterment of the world as a whole. They achieved this unconditional love through the realization of a deep, reverential sense of the interconnectedness of all things. Let us now look at how this sense of unconditional, unifying, self-transcendent love came through Martin Luther King when he spoke out in great despair regarding the tragedy of the Vietnam War. When he said, Every nation must now develop an overriding loyalty to mankind as a whole in order to preserve the best in their individual societies. This call for a worldwide fellowship that lifts neighborly concern beyond one's tribe, race, class, and nation is in reality a call for an all-embracing, unconditional love for all mankind. When I speak of love, I am not speaking of some sentimental and weak response. I am not speaking of that force which is just emotional bosh. I'm speaking of that force which all the great religions have seen as the supreme unifying principle of life. Love is somehow the key that unlocks the door which leads to ultimate reality. This Hindu, Muslim, Christian, Jewish, Buddhist belief about ultimate reality is beautifully summed up in the first epistle of John. Let us love one another. For God is love. Now we know Transcendence is consistently available Through totally free and unjudging, absolutely unconditional love Intimations of it can be felt in moments such as when one is lost In the beauty of the sun as it sets Or when it rises In those unexpected moments when pure joy fills For no particular reason at all Self-transcendence is there in those moments in music and movies that cause goosebumps to rise when we are so overwhelmed that we could laugh or even be brought to tears of joy. It is there when you are awed by the ocean and there in the brilliance of a shooting star whose light stretches across the whole sky. It is there In vistas that take our breath away. It is there in the rustling of leaves. It is there in a child's smile. It is there when we celebrate together. And in those moments that are so inspiring, our whole bodies are filled with light. Like that butterfly feeling when we are truly alive. And it is found through love. Suddenly, there is so much more to life than we ever thought possible. Suddenly we realize that we are cast in the midst of an incomprehensible miracle whose beauty seems to have no end and is too great to ever be encapsulated by mere words alone. And now we may rise to a level that meets the coming dangers our world faces. We can become the truth of our highest reason for being. All you have to do is hold the highest regard for this miracle we whirl within, let that innate sense of wonder be your inspiration. In gracious thanks for the gift of this experience, let us commit to ascending to that level where we can be most effective. Let us be that change we wish to see in the world. know it's kind of hard enough to break out into song here. Speaking of which, the music you heard today was all copyright free from various artists I found on the internet, but I am looking for music from people I know and other people out there that would like to share their music on the show. I will, of course... Provide attribution and links to where people can download your songs now let's go over everybody that we heard today in the background we got attributions who did we use today? oh man, so many people hold on a second slow down relax we got lots of music today Self-actualizes everywhere, making it happen. All right, so the songs. First song was by Hyde. It's titled Acoustic Folk Instrumental. That's pretty straightforward. It's listed as Creative Commons 3.0. You can find more of Hyde's tunes on SoundCloud. His music is promoted by YouTube's audio library. Look them up. Next song was by Silent Partner. I guess they're no longer a silent partner now that I've mentioned their name. Sorry about that, silent partner. The song is titled Time Stops, and it was provided by YouTube Royalty Free Music. And the third song is Still Breathing by Alexi V, provided by Kavi.org and Scene.org. Friggin' love these guys. Kavi is a free music collective run by some crazy dudes in the warehouse where they brew up consistent, lush, electronical vibes all day and day. I just made that up. They're actually from all over the world, probably in various warehouses. But regardless, they rock like little musical Einstein gnomes that bake up hot treats for your listening pleasure. This podcast would not have been possible without the Free Music Collective's excessive levels of awesomeness. So def check out copy.org. that's K to the A to the H to the V to the I, K-A-H-V-I dot org. If your ears are bored and your brain is fried because there are some great tracks to be found when you search around, there are gems guaranteed to strike heart chords and make you feel all tingly inside. That is copy.org which is a project by Electronic Free Art Scene, which can also be found at ftp.scene.org. I believe they may still be looking for sponsors, so if you dig the tunes, I'll share it with you guys. And you believe in supporting the power of free art, donate to those people at scene.org. They've been providing the world with fly tunes and helping maintain world peace since March 11th, 1996. So these dudes are ancient, like the Gandalfs of electronic music, like the Greybeards of Skyrim, minus the dragon shouts. But in all seriousness, these cats are originators, mad alligators with musical teeth that will crunch you in half with their spectacular ambient sounds and bodacious beats. So be aware. Next song, a beautiful tune titled Calm by Silent Partner once again. This one is also from the Free Music Archive. YouTube's free music library. Next song after that was Psalms, and it is by the composer Miguel Johnson and is promoted by Audio Library. It is another Creative Commons 3.0. And after that, we have Voyage by Lamino, totally epic piece. Find his tunes at soundcloud.com forward slash that's L-E-M-M-I-N-O. And at Twitter at Lemin Zero I mean L E M 0 For those of you familiar with lead Speak, You will understand This one is also Creative Commons 3.0 The music provided by YouTube Not to be confused with BoobTube Most of you kids probably don't even know What boob tubes are So let me explain It's slang for an ancient device Invented by the Egyptians I think Known as the television. television, Meaning it both tells you and shows you visions of the future. Through previews. And shows from the past. Through reruns. It was quite remarkable for the time. Nowadays, we shoot information through the air instantaneously over thousands of miles like cybernetic wizards. So it's no big deal. But at the time, this was groundbreaking stuff sizes of televisions in ancient Egypt varied in size quite dramatically they weighed tons and were never quite as small as your smartphone screen and never as high in resolution either so so you may not have the retrospect to appreciate how far we've come everything is whiz bang hi-fi techno magical streaming nowadays so you confounded dag will just have to remain confounded on that one We simply didn't have these tools back in the day when I was an Egyptian. So it could be hard to appreciate the awesomeness that is the communications revolution we are in the midst of today. But if you really want to know, just go play an Atari 2600 for an afternoon. Or watch your parents' crappily pirated copy of The Princess Bride that they recorded using two VCRs with two VHS tapes. One blank and the other a movie they rented from Blockbuster back in 1985. If the damn VHS tape still plays and you can find a functioning VCR and a TV that can handle that antiquated mechanical technology. By the way, for those of you that don't know, Blockbuster was like Redbox, except bigger. Big enough to go inside of. And there were shelves stocked with movies and overly entertained employees that watched the movies all day for a living. And you actually had to walk around and peruse instead of scroll through a queue. And if the copies of the movie that you wanted to check out weren't there anymore, you were just screwed. This actually happened. Look it up on Wikipedia. I almost said look inside of an encyclopedia for a second. That's another ancient relic that is nearing extinction. So there you go if you want to get a feel for what it was like in the pre-high-speed internet days when we all walked around video stores with inquisitive looks on our faces. But we are far off track here. Let's get back to the credits. The song was acoustically driven. Also by Hyde, provider of free instrumentals, Creative Commons 3.0. The last song you've heard is the one playing right now. It's titled One World which consequently ends up being a great song to close with as its title reminds us that you can tell I'm trying to rap here and nothing rhymes. One World by Alexi V. Its title reminds us to be that change we wish to see in the world. You dig? I know you do. We have all dug at some point in our lives. It's the mammalian thing to do. What the hell do you think those fingernails are for anyway? They're like little mini shovels for each of your fingers. Incredible. Now, I want to thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Actualization Station. If you enjoyed this episode, ask that you share it far and wide. And get on that Anchor FM radio app where you can add your applause and help the podcast rise in the ranks. Also, I'm putting together a Patreon today, so if you wish to support this creative endeavor, you can become a supporter of the show and receive free somethings in the future. We're talking t-shirts, bumper stickers, bridge magnets, exclusive Skype sessions. We'll work that out. So go to Patreon and support the show. One dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, a bajillion dollars. Whatever is within your means that you wish to offer will help tremendously. My goal is to help Actualization Station reach and inspire the best and evermore people around the world. As we go forward, I want to include interviews with individuals from all walks of life, and even get some big names on here. But we'll have to work up to that, of course. First, we have to make an impression, build a solid base, get ourselves heard to really get this thing going. You can follow us everywhere that social media is happening, except for Snapchat, which I just don't understand but we're on most of the rest of the major social media platforms out there, including Bookface, Twitter, and Instagram it. And of course, subscribe on Anchor FM Radio app or the podcast's RSS feed via your favorite podcasting platform. Share if you like it and help us out on Patreon. Thank you all. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night.